Hello and welcome to PSA Today number 18, that's Privacy, Surveillance, Anonymity, episode number 18. Is Wednesday, September 16th. I am here with my co-host, Kalia Young, Identity Woman. Hello, Kalia. Hi, Seth. And uh, Kalia has invited a very special guest in Brian Hofer, who is the Executive Director of Pure Justice, and he is the Chairman of the Oakland Commission on Privacy. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So let's start with how the two of you met. Yeah, um, I think you know, I started coming to Oakland privacy meetings. Yeah, so back back in 2013, 14, um, there was a unknown fellow contractor who decided to make front page news all around the world, Edward Snowden, when he, uh, you know, kind of pulled back the curtain on what the intelligence community was doing as far as intercepting communications of Americans. And that first revelation came out in early June, 2013. And about two weeks later, the city of Oakland uh, proposed uh, publicly for the first time at committee, this mass surveillance project called the Domain Awareness Center. It was going to incorporate the, uh, the Port of Oakland and the city, you know, and have uh, hundreds of cameras linked together, license plate readers, shot spotter technology. Even back then, they were proposing to use facial recognition. And there was supposed to be five phases of this project. And uh, if you were paying attention to the Bay Area back then, and especially Oakland, you know, 2011, 2012, uh, Occupy was pretty big, right? We had a lot of energy going around that. There was also a very large movement against, uh, years-long movement against Urban Shield, which is sort of a war games on steroids uh you know, law enforcement game show hosted by the Alameda Sheriff, Sheriff Ahern. And and so a lot of, there was just a lot of activist energy in town at, at this point in time. So when this Domain Awareness Center thing uh, dropped, uh, luckily there was, you know, a, a lot of people around town that were motivated to oppose it or to at least speak up and say, you know, we've got some concerns. Well, I didn't know any of this was going on. I was never an activist. Uh, I'd never been inside Oakland City Hall ever. Um, I think I'd lived here for about 15 years at that point. I'd never been inside City Hall. Uh, there's no media coverage of this at all, you know. And I've I've you know went to school here, you know, worked and played here. Like I I have a pretty large network. No one I knew had any idea this project existed. And in December of 2013, uh, the East Bay Express. Uh, back when it was still doing, you know, long-form investigative reports, uh, Darren Bon Graham and Ollie Winston broke this big story based on public record documents uh, that some individuals had received. And it, it kind of pulled back the wool on this public messaging from the city that, oh, this, this is all about public safety, you know, it's going to solve violent crimes. But none of their internal documents were talking about crime at all. They were talking about Occupy, how to monitor Occupy and how to prepare uh, and use this software to to monitor them. 
So again, I still have no idea any of this is going on, but at least some folks do. Uh, there's this uh, upstart group called Oakland Privacy, which is a, a group of volunteers that decide to start opposing this. And I finally heard about that in January of 2014. And I showed up and, and that's where other like-minded folks like Kalia uh, and others uh, kind of started hanging out together and trying to see how we could beat this project back. And uh, three months later, in March 2014, we did. Uh, it, was a, it was a really large coalition by the time we got to that point. Uh, it was generating international news because, you know, most folks don't ever really beat a surveillance state. It always seems that the technology just keeps creeping into our lives. Uh, but in Oakland, we were successful at stopping the project and we got a temporary privacy commission out of it, which a year later we convinced the city council to turn into a permanent body. And, and I served on, on both of those commissions. I've uh, chaired both of them. So that's kind of the, the truncated version of, of how Kalia and I met. Privacy rights, local, yeah. at the local, at the most local level. Yeah. Um, Just for a little context, for me, the Oakland privacy is sort of my chance to take my interest in all this stuff and do something local because so much of my work is abstracted into the internet. And Oakland privacy was like, okay, these folks are um, really smart as a collective and tracking these critical issues. And Brian was one of those keystone keystone people in that group. Um, Going back further, Brian, how did you get involved in privacy uh, and technology to begin with? Um, I don't have a technical background, so I, I guess more just from the political, philosophical side, uh, the legal side, I, I got interested. Um, but I wasn't joking earlier or understating it. Like, I was not an activist at all. Um, I've, uh, you know, I, I, my family was interested in politics, but I grew up in a really tiny town in Northern California, so it's not like there was, you know, mass surveillance or protests really going on. Uh, grew up kind of a bit libertarian uh, before I moved down here to the Bay. And I read the newspapers and pay attention, but it, other than maybe working a couple campaigns, canvassing or something, I'd never done any activism. Uh, I was literally the, the knucklehead that walked in off the street and wagged my finger at the government and, you know, somehow it worked out and now I'm trapped and doing this, you know, six years later, got hooked on it. But uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think maybe just more than a lot of people, I, I guess I just quickly realized how much damage could be done from insecure data or, or, or the profiling through the use of these big databases and the analytics that were coming around. You know, I, I guess I was just intuitive enough to realize, like, you know, here's a good spot to get in if you want to try to make things better. Uh, obviously, with smart city apps and all and just the spread of police surveillance technology, we were just seeing more and more of this in our daily lives. So it came to create enough of a personal pain point, you know, that I got off the couch. And I, I sort of still think that's our biggest problem. You know, most folks are, are still pretty apathetic. They don't take privacy serious or they don't understand, you know, why we should even care or or they'll just sacrifice any of their rights, you know, in the name of public safety. 
And so we're still trying to do that hearts and minds, you know, convincing uh, to, to most lay people that, you know, this stuff does matter and there is real world harm happening right in front of you and you're just not paying attention to it. So um, you, um, you've had real on the ground experience, like talking, doing, doing work with like the, the Oakland city council and, and we're instrumental in getting several laws passed in Oakland. It would be great if you could share what some of those laws are and what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, first I think everything we did was pretty much just a pure surveillance technology use policy play. Like we didn't really stray from that. Let's just, here's a piece of technology. Let's try to mitigate the bad, uh, while still allowing, you know, the, the non-controversial uses to go out and, and maybe hopefully achieve, you know, good public safety things. Like, obviously, I want violent crimes to get solved. I'm not just trying to shut down all technology or be anti-innovation uh, just because, you know, I'm scared of future technologies. But uh, through, the, through the Privacy Commission, which kind of became a launching pad, uh, for both myself and I think just our Bayer Surveillance uh, Coalition, we got into a lot of sanctuary issues, you know, immigrants' rights, data security, looking at uh, fusion centers, uh, which are federal, state, and local partnerships where they commingle all this data and, and apply analytics and, and do some scary things. Um, it, 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 it became more than just writing these policies. Um, we I've, I've done this work all around the, you know, California and now through secure justice, I'm doing it across the country. So, you know, I've, I've started trying to get uh, privacy commissions like down in San Diego right now. We've cleared committee with a unanimous vote and, and hopefully might have some success in October. Uh, they're following the Oakland model. Uh, just testified in Portland last week on behalf of their public and private bans on facial recognition. So I, I, I'm kind of doing a combination of, of consulting uh, with, with these other jurisdictions while still trying to write, you know, local ordinances to either ban certain technologies or to create this vetting framework uh, that we have. We have seven of these frameworks in the greater Bay Area between Davis up north and Santa Clara County in the south. Uh, you know, San Francisco is the, the big juicy one when it included the facial recognition ban. Uh, for the first time, uh, none of the previous models had banned anything. Um, so, mm. so we've we've started getting you know a little bit more aggressive, I guess, on on the creepy stuff. Um, and uh, we've been really successful. The coalition that I've been part of, we've never lost a vote. So, going on oh, six wow. years, I mean, I've I've never done anything at the federal level, but state, county, and city, I've never been part of a no vote. Like we've got a we've got a sophisticated group of folks, and you know progressive leaders. You know, could we do this in Alabama? No. Uh, you know, could we, could we even probably even do it? And you know, I don't even know. We'll see. Even you know how aggressive or uh, robust is maybe the better word. You know, we're going to be in San Diego. You know, it's a it's a military town, a, a border town. Uh, uh, but there's a really amazing coalition down there as well, the Trust SD Coalition and, and Councilmember Montgomery that are pushing things. And, you know, it, it might have a little Oakland flavor down there, which would be exciting. So when, when, you, when you've talked to the community and all the constituents, like what 
keeps emerging? What resonates as the as the kind of most near and present danger to people? What are, is is it the face? I mean, I would imagine currently it's around facial recognition, but what are people most afraid of? It, it depends on the audience. Um, I do think uh, you are correct in that the facial recognition is a hot button issue of the moment. Sorry about that. Uh, facial recognition is definitely the hot button issue of the moment. Uh, people get the creepiness factor, but also we're seeing real world uh, mistaken uh, identities leading to unlawful arrests and civil liberties harm. Uh, Detroit has about three or four of these that have popped up here in the last few months. New York's got a couple. We've also seen... Uh, Is this identity theft or something different? No, a uh, mistaken identity. So, you know, inaccurate uh, analytics. Uh, you know, the accuracy rate is obviously getting better, but it's still false not positive. great. Yeah, false positives. Um, it, it's still got a lot of problems, especially with darker skin tones. And magically, that's who's getting unlawfully arrested by the police. And uh, in addition to the trauma to that individual, we're creating taxpayer liability for all these jurisdictions because they are, you know, rightfully getting sued for all this misconduct. Um, so, you know, that argument sometimes works with, with audiences, the taxpayer component uh, for, for the more, I would call it, you know, more moderate or conservative folks. Uh, when we go to, you know, immigrants' rights groups, we're probably more focused on, you know, uh, restricting or even eliminating data sharing uh, between federal agencies like ICE and CBP that uh, are deporting folks. Um, you know, that's the messaging we'd be using with those groups. Um, and with the more broader civil liberties, you know, we, we can make all these arguments. Um, it, it just kind of depends on the audience we're talking to, what their personal pain point, you know, that, that they take the most serious is. And do you recommend um, things that um, citizens can do? You know, like what are the, what are the simple ways that they can? I mean, outside of legislation, that they can protect themselves from facial, you know, from anti from facial recognition challenges or from mistaken identities. Yeah, and I mean, there's already a lot of people in this space. I mean, through Secure Justice, we're also doing like digital security workshops and and so on. But you know, other amazing groups like EFF and so many others are out there that have already issued guides about you know how to secure your cell phone and your laptop, how to how to use encryption, you know, get on Signal so that we're all you know using end-to-end -end encrypted stuff. Uh, we also you know, one, one of my sort of gripes uh, amongst my own, you know, crew is we all advocate for these ordinances and then most people just disappear after they get enacted. And, you know, just like anything else in a democracy, or, it, vigilance is required. You have to pay attention. You have to be present. You have to hold people accountable. And, um, you know, not really trying to knock the nonprofit world, but that's it, kind of what I'm saying is, you know, these guys get everybody all, all excited to get an ordinance passed, but then they just disappear. And it, staff is left on their own, and the lay people in that community are left on their own without the help of the professionals 
that just asked them to do this thing. And so what I'm really trying to focus on in 2020 and 21 is training people to do what I've been doing over the last six years, which is watching agendas and submitting public record requests. You know, how do you talk to uh, elected officials? You know, how do you boil down your talking points into that two minute public comment section you get, you know, how do you create media to get attention? You know, how do you even feed it to a journalist to get them excited in the first place? And because it's, you know, I, I, we're doing a critique right now of all these surveillance ordinances we have here in California. And, uh, it's it's exhaustive and exhausting. I'm, we're literally watching every single video of every single surveillance proposal since June 2016, uh, when Santa Clara first started doing it. And there's just almost no public comment. There's almost nobody paying attention. Very few times uh, will the electeds even know that they should be pushing back on the use policy in front of them. So we're seeing a lot of things go forward because there's just no scrutiny there. And, and that's one reason why I'm only working on these projects going forward when there's a privacy commission involved. Like there has to be a vigilant body there to pay attention. I think that's just the nature of the surveillance state. It's always going to try to expand, uh, and, and it's able to do that in the shadows. And 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 that's the beauty of our, our of this ordinance. It forces this discussion out into the public. But that's only step one. If there's no one there in the public to do the talking and the pushing back, well, you know, we're 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 not actually defending civil liberties and our privacy interests. So so that's kind of an area I'm I'm really trying to focus on is to get people to pay attention in their own communities. Like these this is your life. They are collecting your data, your locational history, your cell phone tower information. They may be scanning your face. Uh, do you even know that's happening? If not, why don't you go ask your city what technology they have? Why don't you start that conversation? Then you could figure out if, you know, if there's some a need to regulate and a pushback. So what does what how is what is the privacy commission and how does it made up and how does it work? So we're in, in Oakland and, and we're the only one uh, that has our particular jurisdiction and oversight, the only citizens commission in the country right now. Um, I think we have a very good shot that San Diego will be number two. And that's going to be a game changer, just the sheer size of San Diego compared to Oakland and just, you know, the different political climate, like it'll be a really big deal if San Diego hits. I'm working uh, on, on, the, on co with coalitions uh, in three other large cities to do the same. And, and so if we make this a trend, it's going to change things. The, the Oakland model, we're volunteers. There's nine of us because there's eight city council members and then the mayor. So they each get one, uh, choice one one nominee. Uh, it, it's there's a little bit of a legal wrinkle. We couldn't require uh, certain skill sets, but it's suggested that you have certain skill sets. So within our formation ordinance, it'll say you know we're looking for you know maybe like a civil rights attorney or a, you know a, a, a data secure a data scientist uh, you know technologist folks. Uh, so we list, you know, a number of backgrounds that hopefully folks have, and and they do. Our, I, I'm, I publicly admit I'm probably the, the the least intelligent person on the privacy commission. You know, I'm I'm the politician. 
you know, these other folks uh, are so smart. We keep losing people because they keep getting poached by the feds or the states or, you know, these big corporations because because they're that qualified. And and it's the Bay Area. You know, I, I think we'll always have very smart people. Uh, I mean, we're creating this technology. We should know how to how to regulate it. And that's what I've been pretty impressed with down in San Diego, too, is the level of sophistication. Uh, I mean, these folks are asking me questions already that no one in the Bay Area has asked me in six years. Like they're super smart. Um, and, and so hopefully some of the people I'm working with down there get on the privacy commission. Uh, so, so what is, so the privacy commission is made up of citizens that are nominated by the members of city council and the mayor. And then what do you guys do on when you meet and like, what is your responsibility? We have a number of things, uh, you know, we can comment on federal and state legislation. We make recommendations to the city on general data collection practices and, and uh, you know, CCPA and, and some of this other new legislation come, coming out. But our, our primary obligation is to vet surveillance technology via our surveillance ordinance framework. So upfront, every single proposal, either new equipment or pre-existing equipment, because it's retroactive, uh, you have to come to us with an impact statement, which addresses a number of enumerated categories. Uh, it's implied that there's a, a mindfulness component. You know, we want to think before we release this stuff out into the wild, is there a track record? Has it been successful? How much does it cost? What are you going to collect? How long do you need to retain it? How are you proposing to use it? And if there's any red flags or even just yellow flags identified, the accompanying uh, proposed use policy should mitigate those. You should be able to say, look, we know that if you have, you know, four geospatial data points, we can accurately identify over 95% of folks. So we're going to mitigate that by only retaining data for 30 days because in Oakland it shows we're only getting two geospatial data points on people. We don't get it. We don't retain enough to get to four. So we've mitigated that impact. Right. So we look for practical ways to sort of reduce the, the invasiveness or the potential civil liberties harm. Uh, and then and we're an advisory body. So we make a recommendation to the city council, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. And, and then the council ultimately decides uh, what to approve in that policy. And then because this isn't just a set it and forget it, you know, we're constantly in an ongoing oversight mode every single year every single piece of technology in use, they have to come back to us with an annual report. And ideally it's gonna demonstrate good behavior, uh, you know, that it was successful in helping us solve violent crimes, but it might identify problems. Uh, maybe our retention limit's too short and we're interfering with investigations, or maybe a certain use has proved uh, to be um, controversial because we're apparently only ever using it during protests. So, you know, maybe we're going to remove that. So the annual report might cause some policy amendments going forward, but um, ideally it'll demonstrate good behavior, you know, that'll build some trust in our civic institutions that is uh, sorely needed. It's very cool. So you've built this accountability like loop between the institutions that have this equipment and their use on, you know, in their, their work, but like 
the privacy commission gets to know what happened ultimately with the usage and, and, and like you said, potentially support, you know, making recommendations to city council, how, how usage and other things might be, might be changed. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've, you know, none of us are anti-innovation or anti-technology per se. Uh, you know, we did obviously move to ban facial recognition. That was preemptive. There was nothing in front of us. Uh, and we're working on a, on two more bans right now, um, predictive policing and uh, remote biometric surveillance, like gate analysis and, and uh, so on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Predictive, predictive policing. I just want to yeah. underline that one. Make a bi-directional yeah. link. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's been amazing the groundswell of support just in the last couple of months from just the, the, the academic world and the tech world. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, mathematicians. I think they're over 2,000 now that have signed on to an open letter saying, you know, they don't want their brain power or their work product using this technologies at all. There's all sorts of tech worker revolts saying, do not use our, our, our IP for this. You know, you, we don't want to be building technologies that are being used uh, in, in very, very provable, harmful ways. Like predictive policing profiling is it's not speculative. There's all sorts of stories coming out, you know, Chicago's heat map, the Tampa story that just came out a week ago. Uh, Minority report. Minority report. uh, You know, Los Angeles's entire history with, you know, the cow gang database and their own predictive analytics. So, you know, we we can show actual harm. And, and so we're moving to, to ban that one. But we've also unanimously pushed forward uh, a drone policy. That the city council hasn't reviewed that yet. Uh, we've pushed forward a Stingray, uh, a cell site simulator. Like, so we've pushed forward very controversial things, uh, but we narrowed them. For example, I'll give you uh, an example in the, in the drone policy. Uh, most of the uses very non-controversial, and they were already allowed uh, under our ordinance in an emergency under our exigent circumstances provision. Uh, but there was one new proposed use, which was uh, an undefined, it was just large crowds. Well, th- that doesn't mean there's any criminal wrongdoing. And secondly, uh, you know, in, a, in any urban environment, what's a crowd? 10 people, 50 people, 100 people. I mean, we have a protest in Oakland every single day and 99% of them are never, you know, violent or result in, you know, property damage or anything. There's no criminal predicate whatsoever. So as privacy commissioners, we rejected that one. You know, we kicked that out. But the other stuff like, you know. Does does COVID now give a lot of these folks um, sort of added leeway or added cover? Because when you talk about gatherings, I'm like, well, now they could say above X number of people is an issue. So, of course, we need drones. Right. um, I am anticipating that we'll hear some of that stuff. I haven't seen any real world evidence yet. Um, uh, I've seen a report in a jurisdiction where we don't have one of these ordinances um, that they were using drones to, like, go out and communicate with homeless folks uh, about COVID related stuff. Um, which 
I'd love to see those videos. I, I like, I just can't imagine <laughs> sitting there, you know, and, and like, that'd be creepy. Excuse me, sir. I'm yeah. a drone. Can you yeah. please tell me if you have any symptoms? Yeah. You know, and it's probably got a, you know, <laughs> thermal imaging scanner on there. It's like, stand here while I take your temperature. Uh, that would be oh creepy. That would be creepy yeah. to me. Um, oh. And, and, but, you know, you look I live here. Up. I live on Venice Beach, and it makes total sense to me. I can imagine it happening. So yeah, I, 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 I you know, if if this second wave is going to be as bad as they predict, I think we'll see a lot more of this. Uh, I just had to privately try to kill something. I mean, I think I was successful. Uh, the city of Oakland wanted to buy a um, hundred of these uh, thermal scanners. Uh, and the model they're looking at had facial recognition and other stuff in it. I'm like, that's or, that's prohibited by our ordinance. You cannot have it. Don't you dare bring that to Oakland. You know, we'll 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 shut this thing down. And so they backed away from that. But it, it shows you that under the you know guise of public safety or public health, I think they're going to be able to do a lot more damage. Um, Donald Trump essentially got what he wanted with asylum. He killed asylum by claiming, you know, that uh, he could shut it down under uh, a public health order due to COVID. And so far, he has prevailed on that point. So I do think uh, we'll probably see a lot more damage or or scary things getting pushed. Uh, Already, the predictive policing guys are pivoting uh, in response to like George Floyd. They're saying, oh, well, how about we turn our technology on the cops? You know, then we'll predict who the bad cops are. Uh, same with like drones and these other things. It's like, well, now we're going to monitor for, for COVID-related stuff. So these vendors are very good at, at pivoting quickly and changing their messaging. So I, I do It's called capitalism and venture capital. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I, think, I, I think we're going to keep playing whack-a-mole on this stuff for quite a while. So wait, a couple a couple questions and follow up. One is, um, are there other jurisdictions or cities either in the states or abroad that you look at as kind of role models or peer organizations at the local level, like in Amsterdam or in Barcelona or in Austin, Texas? Like I don't know. Like where where do we look? Other oh, Oakland makes total sense to me because I think culturally, historically, it's always been at the forefront of citizen rights. Um, where else? What are the what other I, proof points? What I like, what I'm seeing come out of a number of uh, uh, European bills, they take the penalty phase serious, right? When when Microsoft and Apple, you know, and you go get it p- penalized a billion dollars, that will change business behavior. Um, I'm not necessarily in love with the text of all those laws, although I do think in some areas they're, they're ahead of us, like uh, GDP. Um, uh, but, but, but they take the negative consequences serious. In America, you know, you get fined $50,000, which is, you know, 10 seconds of, of profit for Facebook. It, it doesn't change anything. Uh, Illinois, um, uh, BIPA, B-I-P-A, their uh, biometric act, which is what Facebook got sued under um, successfully. Uh, that you know, I, I look at I look at that state law as an example that should be spreading to states all over. I'm hoping we can try to do that in California, but otherwise, um, 
the Bay is really, I think, the leader. Uh, I, I will definitely give a shout out to Seattle. Uh, they have resources. They actually fund a chief privacy officer and staff, and they do a lot better at us as far as community outreach. Um, Portland did a heck of a job uh, with their facial recogni recognition bands uh, doing community outreach as well. They had a, uh, they had a number of workshops. Both those cities have, you know, funded staff for that. And so one wrinkle in Oakland is it's relying on, you know, volunteer labor to, to get a lot of this stuff done. But as far as the legislative policy side, I, I think Oakland is still the gold standard. I guess, an so another question now is like, you know, when, when I think about, um, you know, a lot of the issues you're raising, they're, they're public health concerns. Right, it's it's sort of unintended consequences of this technology that's unregulated and unlicensed and just sort of offered to government, law enforcement, and corporations without any real official um, consumer or citizen advocacy. The way that you would have for a health commission, or a food commission, or a drugs commission, or even cannabis has gotten regulated, and you know you have to have all sorts of tracking in terms of provenance of of where. Um, the plants come from or where the pharmaceuticals come from. And yet with technology, we don't really have that. So are there um, different commissions outside of privacy that you look at that are very functional in the government that are well-funded and well-supported that, that privacy could emulate? That's a great question. Um, I haven't, and I'm very jaded when I look at California regulatory agencies because uh, I don't think we've done a very good job. Um, I, I don't know that there's really somebody I'm I, that I'm looking up to, and and I'm not just saying that because I'm super super pro Oakland, which I am, but um, I just I haven't seen another body that takes the vigilance and has a little bit of an activist flavor. Like the the one thing I'm nervous about with privacy commissions is that you'll get a bunch of super qualified folks, but it'll be, you know, Uber's data scientists and a Google privacy lawyer. And they're going to look for ways to weaken the system. And they're going to look for ways to profit. Uh, that does make me nervous. I do think, and again, that's probably why I would just suggest that the Oakland privacy commission is still the, the best. Uh, is that we do, and I'm sure this frustrates the police and others, but we do have an activist bent. We do hold the line. Um, and, and I'm not seeing that, um, you know, either in our healthcare system or the FCC or the FTC. I, I'm just not seeing that. Well, they've been getting gutted for the last four years, so that's an exception. But hopefully in a steady yes. state with normal government and rational people, um, you know, things like the environment and health and, and food and pharmaceuticals and ultimately privacy um, will have, you know, active citizen level support. I mean, maybe I think maybe we have it with real estate, right? Owners and tenants clearly want to protect the value of their assets or, or keep their rents low or whatever that might be. And maybe that's a successful example. But I wish people felt the way about their privacy and their data, the way people feel about their real estate and their and their homes. I, I agree. I mean, that's where we have to get people to, to care enough to, to start, you know, changing their governments. Uh, you know, Newsom, Governor Newsom really scared me. And, and I think the proposal is dying, 
but you never know, you know, trying to basically his proposal was, well, let's commodify our personal data and we'll just, you know, have a privacy tax on these corporations. And I'm like, have you met average people? Everybody's going to just click yes, make their, you know, 35 cents and they're going to just sell it. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to pay attention. So it's not going to change Silicon Valley, Surveillance Valley. It's it's going to give us this illusion that, you know, somehow we've gotten now greater privacy protections. And and so I'm definitely scared of that trend. I, I think it's dying in this state, but uh, that, that, that was something I thought we might have to go all out and try to kill because that's the exact wrong way. You know, and just we constantly have this struggle over opt-in versus opt-out. Um, you know, even the consumer protection, you know, laws that are the regulations that are finally starting to roll out and be enforced now. It's, I just, we, we still haven't won that hearts and minds battle. People aren't taking it serious. Yeah. Um, I was asked by a reporter about my opinion around some of the data as labor frameworks. And I, I think it's a good, like it's, it's a, it's a helpful frame for shaking and sort of trying to get something to move, but I don't think it's a long-term, like a good strategy to anchor our future in sort of um, data as an asset that can be manipulated by corporations. But, but you know, we gotta we gotta move the the water somehow. So if folks are inspired by listening to this interview with you and want to get more connected with your work, what opportunities are there for them to do so? Yeah, they could sign up for our newsletter at Secure Justice. Um, we can, you know, we're constantly have new projects between state and local levels. Um, and when we do workshops, obviously we would, you know, announce those. Uh, we're going to try to do like around the state, you know, do, do regional uh, workshops and really train people uh, how to secure their own communications, of course, but also just how to look at the equipment and the technologies being used in their city uh, and, and try to show them, it's like, hey, we've got a proven model. We've got a formula that works. You know, you could do this in your own community. Um, <clears throat> yes, you know, as I, as I alluded to earlier, there's kind of always the professional class, you know, pushing these things, <clears throat> but there has always been, you know, average citizens in each jurisdiction that, that wants this. Uh, they just need help. Uh, they, you know, <clears throat> if they if they knew the answer, they wouldn't be out here looking for help. And and so we're trying to kind of, I'm trying to connect those two worlds and, and see if we can <clears throat> really spread, spread this, you know, hit that critical mass to where this is the new normal, you know, a privacy commission is, is, is a norm. It's a standard. Uh, that's hopefully, you know, where we can get to. Uh, <laughs> Secure-justice.org. Yes. Yes. And also oaklandprivacy.org. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not part of that group, but that's the uh, community organization that we've been talking about. <clears throat> There's also the yeah, city of Oakland I, privacy commission that, you know, the, the overlap of that name confuses a lot of people like, you know, what, I get contacted by media all the time. And they don't know which uh, entity they're looking for. But so I just wanted to highlight there's the Community Volunteer Org, which is at Oakland Privacy, and then uh, the Privacy Commission on the City of Oakland's website. 
but definitely securejustice.org yeah. and, uh, and to sign up for the newsletter and to, and to get connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was great. This was fascinating. I really appreciate all your work. Well, thank you, Seth. Thank, thank you, Kalia. Um, always happy to chat about stuff and, and just, you know, if you guys ever have follow-up questions or ideas, kick them around. Happy to chat. Okay. We'll, well put some stuff in the notes, in the episode notes. We'll put some links there so people yeah. can dig deeper and find out and help and download the uh, the toolkit. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Kalia. Thanks. Okay. Wrapping up for uh, episode, what did we say, 18? Yes. Of uh, PSA Today. It's uh, Wednesday, September 16th, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, all.